So welcome back to the podcast today, everyone. We have a very special guest today, Florence Sui, who is a customer success manager at Circle CI. Uh, Jeet and I met Florence working in a previous job and Florence and I used to work in customer success together. So I'm excited to catch up with her and see how her journey's been since then. Hi, guys. Hi, Florence. <laughs> nice to be here. And um, I have to say, you were a great colleague to work with, Harriet. Right. In customer success. I provide a lot of laughs. Note the silence on my mention there. Like, <laughs> and gee, you were a colleague. <laughs> <laughs> okay, when you put it like that, I realized how that came across. But I meant as in because, you know, Harriet and I worked very closely together. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, there was only three of us in the team for a while. Exactly. Yeah. And you were Bear in all mind, the there was way. like eleven people at the company. Yeah, you were all the way on the other side. On the other side. All, of the, all the way on the other side of the room. I was in the corner, facing away from the room. <laughs> but what have you been up to recently? Um, what have I been up to recently? Well, work-wise, um, we've been doing um, a lot of training uh, mm-hmm. at work at the moment. There is. Um, a lot of investment at work, which is, you know, always That's um, exciting. very much uh, appreciative, but um, or appreciated. Um, but actually a lot of investment back into the customer success team. Um, so trying to level up um, the team, making us a little bit more tech savvy. Mm. Um, so it's been a bit of a, a learning curve, yeah. but, you know. That's always good. Yeah. yeah. Have you been on holiday recently? I have not, but I will be. Where are you going? I will be very soon. I'm going to Portugal mm. down in the Algarve on Thursday. Nice. Um, so I've not actually taken time off from work, but I'm going to be working from home ah. in Portugal. Very nice. Yeah. That's so, so nice. How long are you going for? 12 days. So we're taking advantage of the Jubilee, the Jubilee. Yeah. week, um, just banking on it being a little bit more quiet mm-hmm. uh, work-wise anyway. Yeah. So yeah. looking forward to it. Yeah, we're doing that. We're shutting down the office literally on from saturday onwards well obviously on saturday but (laughs) the monday tuesday wednesday (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. so we have all of next week off in terms of your customer success team how big are they now how many is in your team so right now uh in the london team i believe we've just hired another uh person so we're actually five um plus our amir director of customer success um and then we've got the team out in the states and we've also got a customer success team um in japan um so they're heading Ooh. up our respective jpac region that's cool North do you American get to go region. over there for on site um n- well no um <laughs> we i'm sure we should uh at some point like unfortunately so when i first joined circle ci um it was first lockdown kind of no one really knew what was going on but in normal times you actually would be sent out to denver um in the office there uh, for a week of onboarding so it's actually so sad that um, that i missed out on that surely they should give you like a little voucher and you can go now so that's exactly what i thought and that that's I've said that from the beginning, but the problem is the pandemic went on for so long and we ended up hiring so many people that I feel like a redo of that m- massive one onboarding class mm. is probably uh, off the cards. Now. Oh, really? I think so. Right. We probably have to do something a lot smaller or like kind of staggered. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it would have been a week, a whole week in Denver. And then it's whoever has joined in that onboarding cohort. So if you're from Japan, if you're from... Oh, that's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, and you all meet in America. How many offices do you guys have? So we have... um, Good question. I should know this. I think we have four or five. 
But it's a pretty big company, right? There's a few thousand people there. Uh, no, we're about 200 and <laughs> we're about 250 to 300. Our research is getting um, a bit sloppy here, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe I saw 200 and I thought 2,000. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I was very optimistic. So how many offices do you say you had? I think we've got four or five. Again, my memory is hazy just again because like I'm not 100% sure like COVID wise, mm. like mm. how many official office locations yeah. we have. But I definitely like we've got a few uh, in America. I think we've got one in Canada. Yeah. We've oh, definitely cool. got one in Tokyo. Do you get um, to liaise a lot with people from overseas? In your company? Yeah, so definitely with the States, just because obviously that's where the HQ mm. is and all of kind of like main planning updates and things. So I would say we're really well connected as a business, I think in terms of working remotely across different time zones. Um, so for example, I'm pretty sure we do this across the whole business, but in customer success for sure, at least, um, we rotate the CS meetings. So one will be kind of in like San Francisco, Japan sort of hours. And then the next one would then be more kind of EMEA friendly hours. Okay. Um, and they make a conscious effort across the business to rotate meetings like that. So that. So if it's... If it's in Japan at like 9 a.m., do you guys have to be on it as well? Or is it no. just for them? Yeah, it okay. is just for them. Um, and then whoever is like still online, like in the States there. Mm, okay. um, and then we would normally join the meeting. I think it's like 4.30. So it's nothing too ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think it's a given. Sometimes there will be later nights, but yeah. it's not all the time. So I think they're pretty fair with it. Super international. Yeah. I still always wonder about that when you open up companies and like open up branches, I suppose, in different countries. Because like it'd be ideal to be like, Oh yeah, we have a a branch in Melbourne and a branch in New York, and and then like if someone sets a meeting at like three p.m. London time, you're like, oh no, sorry, it's the middle of the night for me. I can't, <laughs> I can't do that call. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. What does Circle CI actually do? So Circle CI is a continuous integration and delivery platform. So really, what it is that we do is we automate the building, testing, and deployment of software applications. Um, so really I would say the, the thing that we're trying to solve for our customers is, you know, if you have a software idea, we're trying to shorten that distance between that idea actually becoming a reality okay. on your application, yeah. um, to, to reach your customers. Mm -hmm. And where do you fit into that whole journey as a customer success manager? Yeah. So good question. So in terms of my role today, um, I work really closely with some of the, the bigger customers uh, within EMEA. So we're right there from the kickoff onboarding phase and really through the entire uh, customer journey, customer life cycle. Um, so I guess you've got your standard things as in like your kickoffs, your implementations, you've got your QBRs, cheeky check-ins if customers, you know, feel that they need a little bit more support. Um, and then luckily for me as well, I work alongside a DevOps customer engineer is really mm -hmm. the brains of the team. I'm more of the face of the team, should I say. <laughs> um, but they're on board to give, you know, really kind of customized, really personalized training to dive really deep into customers like technical infrastructure, you know, how they're building their applications, how we can make their tests run faster so we can get, you know, ship features out the door. Um, so yeah, I think just everything that you expect from customer success, whilst mm. also promoting brand champions, advocacy, mm. all of that sort of stuff. And for our listeners who aren't as aware of what customer success is, could you explain a little bit about what you do day to day, like what customer success actually is, what your kind of goals are? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I would say customer success is it's proactive, um, proactive customer support, though. Definitely there is a distinction between customer success and customer support. I guess how I would phrase it is that you are aligning the customer's desired outcomes with also your own company's goals. So you want to um, help customers reach what it is that they're trying to achieve, but that whatever you're doing, it's still in line with, you know, your own goals that you're trying to meet, right? Because we're all companies that are trying to grow, trying to sustain, mm. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, you know, everything that we do, let's say, you know, a customer in the in the case of Circle CI, they want to, you know, build a test to run five times faster, that would also align with one of our targets, which is about increasing uh, credit usage. We want to improve the stickiness of our customers um, on the platform. Mm. So how can we do that whilst achieving their goals? Yeah. So that's, that's, that's the way to look at it, I think. Yeah, that's really cool. You touched on a little bit the difference between CS and customer support. What would you say the main differences are? So yeah, what I've mentioned already is really about being proactive. So customer support is more kind of then and there debugging, you know, I'm blocked with something. Whereas I would say customer success is a lot more long-term. It is a lot more um, trying to identify issues and pain before even the customers can see it themselves so that you're then viewed as a trusted consultant because mm. you have that experience, right? Yeah. And you can anticipate uh, challenges and be able to offer options and recommendations so that we are avoiding kind of any challenges that actually might arise. Mm. I guess also as being a CSM, you are essentially a consultant for your company, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So you are the one who has all the knowledge and you're imparting it onto your customers. I mean, that's how it should work. Yes. <laughs> In theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, 100%. Like we want to be there to teach, um, guide our customers. So, um, you know, for example, we have so many features being shipped out all the time at Circle CI. Um, and then sometimes you'll find, you know, customers, they're like, well, we don't build that way. We don't do this. I really kind of don't care about this particular feature. Yeah. So it's all about getting a good understanding of your customer's specific use case and how you can link that back to your features. Mm. So you're teaching them about the right things. Yeah. Um, because yeah, it's not a one size fits all. It's definitely not when you're building websites and, and applications. That's so true because like, I don't know, recently we've been doing a lot of updates to our website and we've been using a very well-known domain provider. And I was like, why does this company not have a customer success team? Just because I'm like, this is so necessary. Because I mean, there are so many things that I feel like a two or a five minute conversation once a month with like a CSM would benefit opposed to me having to like be on, you know, call or on chat with like a customer. What's the other one? The customer support, support yeah. um, for so long. I think, yeah, I think that proactiveness mm -hmm. to like a CS role is so cool. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Are you very hands-on with your clients or do you have calls with them once a month? How do you, how kind of often do you touch base with them? Yeah. So, um, it is also, um, I mean, first and foremost, yes, I definitely say that, uh, we're really kind of hands-on with our customers. Um, and naturally, you know, as you start to grow and you start to scale, there is that element of where do I make sure I'm spending my time in mm. the correct places? Obviously when you start a startup, you can give that kind of white glove experience to all of your customers. And then after a certain point, you realize you can't do that for everyone. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, naturally how we also then, um, 
and distinguish our customers as well. We offer support plans. So, you know, finding the right tier for you, depending on where you are in your kind of software journey. Um, but, you know, for the most premium kind of customers, should I say, um, you know, we offer um, monthly check-ins, um, you know, we can do on-sites, uh, we open a one-to-one -one Slack channel for them. So mm -hmm. if they need yeah. that instant response, they have that. Uh, but then alongside that, they have access to our support team with guaranteed response times. Okay. So, you know, if you're like the, you purchase the highest support package, for example, if you submit a support ticket, which is like urgent, like you'll get a response in like guaranteed and say like half an hour or something okay. like that. So you have a support team and you have a customer success team. Yes. Okay. So how do you distinguish the two roles? Yeah. So ultimately it's around a, the vision and then what you're targeted on. So as I mentioned, customer su support is kind of like then and there, that kind of ad hoc debugging. So, um, they are, the way they're targeted is actually around solving tickets and completing tickets yeah. uh, via Zendesk. Um, so they look at the, um, the volume of tickets that you have um, resolved. They'll look at um, like how many responses it took for you to resolve a mm -hmm. ticket. Because if it's taking you like 500 responses, yeah. like that's not <laughs> going to be a good customer experience, right? Um, and I think yeah. another element of that is then after you submit a ticket, you get like a, a, a feedback survey. Yeah. Yeah. How happy are you? Blah, blah, blah. So then each individual person gets a score based on that. Okay. So I think that's how they, how they target uh, customer uh, support. Whereas customer success is specifically looking at renewals, retention. It's mm -hmm. all about playing the long game with yeah. customer success. Yeah. Um, and then to a certain extent as well, depending on how your revenue, so looking at sales and customer success, like how that's set up, you might then be targeted on upsells as well uh, to bring additional revenue into the business. Okay, and how many customers do you have at one point? Again, that is moving and changing and, and scaling. I think at one point, I think I had, I've also changed roles a bit as I've been at Circle CI. So I really started kind of from like the customer success associate role through mm -hmm. to like manager, through to like a higher kind of role at the moment. Um, so at one point, I think I had like over a hundred accounts. Wow. Over a hundred accounts at one point. And then I think now I'm down to about 50 um, accounts. And you're expected to know them all inside out? No, definitely not. Definitely not. I think Circle is definitely fair and pragmatic in that you, I don't, I think you humanly, it's not possible for you to know like even just 50 accounts, I think inside out, which is why it is super important that you have the right kind of tools for your customer success team um, to be able to have that info on hand because you're not a machine. Yeah. And is it normal for you to go months without speaking to your customers or do you touch and like touch base with them regularly? So it does depend. I think you do have some customers who can just get on with it. Um, and I think that is really a testament to the product itself in that you can just go on the product and just it runs and you will know what to do. Um, and there's really great documentation out there. But then again, depending on the caliber of the of the customer, we'll at least have, you know, like a, 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 um, a quarterly business review cadence. Yeah. Um, but then there are some others who are, you know, we are, we're on it. We speak very, very, uh, very often, mm. got really good relationships with them. That's so nice. uh, it just depends on the needs of the customer. It's really nice to build relationships though, isn't it, with your customers? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I think a challenge for every customer success manager is you will always have accounts who don't want to talk to you. Even if you have a valid reason mm. to speak with you. I know we definitely had that in our <laughs> 
initial job. Um, And that is part of the challenge, but it's also part of the fun. You need to find really creative ways to get the attention Mm. of your customers because we're not the only vendor that they're using. Exactly. I find that very interesting though, because like someone on the other side of that scale, I I will do anything to not speak with someone. Like, (laughs) and I I have, you know, like you mentioned earlier about this ticket thing where you go like, oh, how many tickets does it take to solve this issue? I'm the sort of person, I'll be on the live chat being like, this is the problem, but I explain it. Like when I read read it back and I go, how they've managed to help me with my problem, I don't know, because I've just (laughs) given them nothing. I've just written words like it's not working. What's not working? It. It is not working. <laughs> Fix it, you know? Yeah. So I, yeah, I avoid a lot of, we're, we're meant to have like a lot of, um, we have a customer success team at the moment for our streaming service. So yeah, they, they assign us a lot of tasks and they're really, really good. But yeah, I, I do anything to avoid it. Yeah. <laughs> I think when we were customer success managers together, we used to think that the whole world revolved around us. Like <laughs> we would sit there, they haven't replied to me in five minutes. Like, what are they doing that's more important than this? You know? And we'd constantly want to have calls with them, constantly want to touch base with them, email them, and this so I can imagine yeah. Now looking back at it, I can imagine how annoying that would have been for us to just kind of be poking them all the time. But yeah, I uh, completely agree. And I think it's um so I had a similar I had a situation recently with a customer who just wasn't coming back to us. Um and I was feeling quite nervous about it because they had um, decided to go with kind of more advanced support. Um, so they're paying more for a service and they weren't actually using it. Um, and we were kind of getting into the contract now. So I was starting to be concerned. Um, and I felt like at this point we tried everything. Um, and what was actually really refreshing and reassuring for me to hear was, you know, one of my managers said, well, you know, do we have an understanding of what the team is doing today outside of Circle CI? And then that just gave me a fresh perspective. And when we had that conversation with the customer, they were like, we've lost X amount of people from the team. We're trying to hire. We've got this massive project on our hands. It's not that we don't want to optimize our our testing, our builds. We would love to have that sort of time to do that. But where we're at, we cannot physically do that. Mm. And just having that space to just step back and realize, oh my gosh, it's not because I'm a terrible customer success manager and they don't want to talk to me. And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like already by showing that understanding and that empathy and understanding, okay, you can't do these things, but why don't I set up a, you know, you don't have this part of your plan, but why don't we set up a Slack channel so that we are removing any barriers that you have to us to make it easy for you because you have no time in your day. And then that was way more welcomed by the customer. And that was probably the best thing that we did do for them. So yeah, I thank that manager for, for allowing us to have that perspective and not be like, you need to give them everything because this is your job. Because it's not realistic sometimes. Definitely, definitely. What made you want to get into a cigarette? (laughs) (laughs) You okay? (laughs) I'm great. What made you want to get into customer success in the first place? That is always a fun question. I don't know about you, Harry, but when you joined customer success, did you know what it was? Because I'd never heard of it ever. No. Yeah. I had no idea. I think that was probably about four years ago, just four and a half years ago. I think it was a very new thing. When I went into it, I was like, Never heard it before. And now every other person I see on LinkedIn or I speak to, they're a customer success manager. I was, mm-hmm. I used to do that. Aw. Harriet's like, I was in CS before it became cool. <laughs> yeah. Like, I you- was one of the OGs. Okay. <laughs> um, name a song off of customer success's first album. I don't think <laughs> you know. Literally like, I knew them when they weren't famous and they were playing like backroom gigs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I used to carry customer successes, like speakers for them to their van. <laughs> So yeah, we go we go pretty far back. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, what was the question? <laughs> why, did you, why did you get into CS? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I actually just fell into it. As, as we said, I had no idea what customer success was. But when I did hear about it, when I was kind of looking for roles through recruiters, mm. fresh grad, you know. That, did you initially that go of, for a sales job? I didn't actually go for a sales job. I can't remember what it was that I was trying to interview for but my recruiter was like if you're interested i've got this cheeky little role that you could go in in the morning for an interview for and then you can come back in the afternoon for the actual job that you know you're interested in Mm. i thought why not let's go for it they really sold the company to me yeah and um (laughs) and um that was when they were like we've got a customer success role or we've got a sales role okay and i guess to answer your question, why customer success, I just felt like sales was not what I wanted to do. And I think that's what a lot of people, their first thought is, I do not want to get, I'm not good at sales, I'm blah, 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 blah. So then I thought customer success, because I knew that I liked talking to people. I knew I liked, you know, forming relationships. And then little did I know, there's a lot of sales involved in yes. customer success, right? <laughs> yeah. So then I went, well, joke's on me because I said I didn't want to do sales, but then actually there was a lot of revenue growth and upselling. Mm. And looking back on it, I think I am happy that I got into customer success because I got to do the things that I like, which is the relationship building, the meeting people, blah, blah, blah. But I felt like I, I was able to really push myself out of my comfort zone doing the sales stuff yeah. and the negotiating stuff. I'm still not the best at it now, but- I think it's, you know, it's really exciting to be to say that you get to do something that makes you uncomfortable and pushes Definitely. you out of your your own limits. Mm. So you said you do upselling. Ah, well, so <laughs> I do. I do. So at Circle CI, I think we partner really well with our sales counterparts. Um, so really what we do is customer success actually takes ownership of renewals. Um, and then you have uh, account executives that take ownership of the upsells. Mm. Um, but we are targeted on revenue growth. So there is um, like some expectation for us to identify upsell opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'd at least be kind of credited for that. But then the account executive would then just take the upsell all the way through until close. Right. Um, but it is again about having the right conversations with the customers mm. to identify that there is any sort of opportunity there mm-hmm. yeah i guess also arguably like you're probably doing the hardest part of it because you have to give them a good service for them to even consider not only renewing but upselling like yeah i suppose heard it here first <laughs> <laughs> what do you actually do day to day so day to day it is so if i'm not having customer calls um and again as i mentioned the the typical calls i'm doing are uh, quarterly business reviews. I'm doing kickoff calls. Um, I am doing um, credit syncs. So typically if I see a customer um, is kind of running below or not on track with their credit usage, we'll reach out uh, and understand what's happening there. Likewise, if they're going over their credit usage, we have conversations with customers about mm-hmm. that. So those are the, the typical calls that I'm having. And then alongside that, I'm doing the prep for these calls, um, you know, we're doing research about the companies and getting business insights. And like, one thing that I've learned in this current role is really important to come to calls with a hypothesis. And I think back in the day when I was like a really fresh CSM, you'd kind of just jump on the call and be like, what's up, <laughs> you know? Tell me about what's going what do you on. Have for lunch? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then it would kind of be like, okay, this is a sort of agenda that I've whipped together. Um, whereas now I've kind of learned to come to a call 
with a hypothesis about what I think they're doing or how they're using us, even if it's wrong, it elicits some kind of conversation from the customer to actually take part in this call. Mm. So that's one thing that I've learned that's been really powerful. Yeah. Mm. Um, but then other stuff, we're doing kind of CS programs, you know, helping what with- What do you mean CS programs? So CS programs in terms of kind of uh, kind of marketing programs, like email campaigns and things like that. Yeah. So it could be a focus that we're doing to increase adoption of a certain feature, or we are trying to get customers on board for a fun kind of social or a mixer. That's fun. Do you do that? Yeah. So we actually, there was a really big um, kind of software conference in Valencia last week. I was not invited. No, no. Um, but quite a few people from sales went. Um, and then we had a Circle CI mixer at a tapas bar in Valencia. Um, we invited quite a lot of customers to come to that. And oh, that's just, cool. Just what a lot of your really customers cool. there? Um, that mine had signed up. I don't know if they actually went. I need to follow up with marketing about that, but. Mm. Do you do it in London as well? We do do those in London. You guys should come next yes. time. Yeah, we'll be waiting um, for invite. I'll and definitely it- invite you guys. <laughs> but we we had a really fun one, actually. There is a gaming bar in Shoreditch. Mm. Um, and it's literally just a massive TV with like four consoles mm-hmm. like hooked up oh, to them. Cool. So you can pick whatever game you want to play. Yeah. And then there's cocktails. So we hide out that bar. We played loads of Mario Kart. Oh, that's so fun. We played Mario Party. Who's Love your- Mario Party. Yes. Yeah. Who's your go-to person in Mario Kart? Um, oh, my go-to person. That is such a good question. Who was I last time? I was Koopa Trooper last time. Because every time I won, I kept going, Koopa Troopa. And everyone got really annoyed at me. <laughs> Mine's Yoshi, just because he's cute. Oh, he's so cute. Yeah, we used to play so much Mario Party and Mario Kart together. We did. Yeah. yeah. Mine is Link, for those who, who wanted to know. <laughs> I thought yours was the little elf. Yeah, it's Link. That is- oh, that's the oh. Or AKA Zelda, for other people that don't know. I've never seen that character before. No, I get it. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. It's like, it's like... Frankenstein or Frankenstein's monster or like <laughs> Ratatouille. Oh my God. I was having a ago. breakdown about this over the weekend because there's a song that's come out and it's just like, oh, I've got to build my own, Franken- my own Frankenstein. I was like, no, no, no. Frankenstein was the doctor. It's actually Frankenstein's monster. It's the one a- who has the little things coming out of his neck. Yeah. that's His name is Frankenstein's monster. Oh. Yeah. Frankenstein was a doctor. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know oh, if yeah. it was MD or like a PhD, but... <laughs> But those are technicalities, I suppose. Yeah. Well, okay. I say not really. If you've got like a medical emergency, it doesn't really help. Like, you know, the geology PhD comes to help you out. Anyway, <laughs> we, we continue. <laughs> we digress. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, is, is it is like the sort of socials and stuff? Is that that's really cool, actually, because I think it really helps build those relationships with like your clients and stuff. And I guess post covid i think it's nice to sort of go back to that i feel like that relationship part of business has been lost in the last two years is it a networking event between your customers or is it just you and your customer customers like one customer socializing um it is so we typically frame those actually as workshop days okay um so one of our um our customer engineers comes and we host webinars or an actual like practical walkthrough of certain features how to make your pipelines and tests go a million miles per hour or something like that. So it's something that they can learn from. Um, But then yes, in the evening, we will then have a social where they can network with each other. They can network with 
us. Like sometimes you're meeting your customers for the first time because of COVID. That's really nice. Um, yeah. So yeah, it is really cool to be able to get to, to see people face to face. Yeah, that is really nice. And how do you actually track or measure customer success or happiness? Good question. So um, we have pretty robust health scoring um, at Circle CI. Um, so we have our overall health score, which is then broken down into different categories and each category is given a different weighting. So if I remember correctly, some of the categories that we have are uh, risk. So you identify kind of the leading indicators for a customer basically like no longer being engaged. So ours are quite straightforward. If there's like a drop in active users, like month over month, if credits have dropped week over week, or they're just generally building less, that can then affect the health score and make that go down. Other areas will be if they've left a negative NPS score. Yeah. Um, and then we've got a pretty extensive section for technical health scoring, which is specifically around feature adoption. So I think we've got, we track specific features. If they are not using this, then that is will become a cause for concern. Okay. Because naturally, if your customer is interacting with more features on your platform, they are more sticky and they're getting more benefits of the platform. Um, so then all of that overall will then add up to that that main health score. Um, so from there, that gives a really good way of indicating, you know, which customers are on track and, and which aren't. Yeah. And do you measure churn as well? Yes. Yeah, we do. So we measure, um, so I think this is actually a global uh, not global, but that's like a wider team target as opposed to it being like an individual target. Mm -hmm. So there's a certain amount of customers that we can churn per quarter. So we have targets around okay. that. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, individual targets are then uh, such as revenue growth. So yeah, I think right now, like EMEA wise, performing pretty well. Yeah, I think churn's probably always inevitable though, right? Sometimes they're not the right fit or it's not the right time for them or... You mentioned they're super busy. They might not have time, so they might churn. So how do you, if someone says to you, I think I'm going to cancel or I don't want to renew, how do you go about retaining them? Yeah, so that's a, that's a really good question. I think, again, it always comes back to the core of customer success being proactive. If you're talking to them about the right things, if you're having the conversations at the right time, you should know in advance that they are going to churn. Yeah. So whether or not you're able to save that churn, obviously that is a completely different ball game. There are always going to be situations that are completely out of your hand. But you know what you need to understand is you know what early signs are there that they are that they're churning. So for example, one for us, as I mentioned, those risk factors. Like if they're starting to drop users or they're starting to drop credit usage. And like one day you might realize they have 50 projects on CircleCI and then one day they've got 30. It sounds like they might be migrating away to another vendor. Okay. So as soon as you see those telltale signs, you know, don't just sit around on it. You have to be prepared to have a difficult conversation um, and not shy away from that. Mm. So that would really be the first part. Um, and then I would say the second part is banding together i think is really important for businesses to understand that everyone does customer success and not just your customer success managers so if you have someone who's looking to churn you need to understand a why like is it because they don't have we don't have a feature that they want if that is the case that is when everyone bands together you need to go to product you need to go to engineering are we getting this feature out um it can't just lie in the hands of one single customer success manager yeah so if they say to you, you don't have a feature that I want, I'm going to go to someone else. And you say, we can build that feature. How long does it usually take? 
<laughs> that is Instant. such a bait question. Yeah. Wow. Yes. I mean, that is the million dollar question, yeah. isn't it? But if you say, for example, your development team say it'll take three months. Yeah. Are people usually quite understanding and they'll say, okay, I'll pause. Like I'll wait, I'll come back to you. Or do they want to go elsewhere because they want it instantly? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, the factors that you have to take into account is, um, I mean, I hate to say this, but, you know, we are in business, but, you know, how much is this customer spending, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. How much has this customer invested in? Because in reality, if it's a customer who's paying like $15 and you don't have it, that is someone that you can, yeah. that you can lose, right? Unless it's $15 a second. Yeah, $15 a second. With, then we will make that feature right in a second. But, you know, end of the day, you always have to yeah, slice yeah. and dice your customer base, right? So, and then also it is about, you know, kind of what is the demand for this feature as well. And also looking at your competitors. Is this a feature that your competitors are already offering? Then, okay. yes, those are things that we definitely need to be thinking about mm. now. And I think if you say, we could get this out to you in three months time, what I would suggest to the customer is that, okay, one, let's see what workaround we can give you at the moment. And whilst we build this feature within the three months, let's get you involved to beta test this feature okay. within three months, right? So then yeah. you're actually feeling involved. And eventually when we do deliver that product or that feature, it's exactly as they wanted it right. to be. And yeah. they feel like they have a voice. Okay, that makes sense, yeah. Are you almost always able to predict when someone will turn? No. No. And that I think you can only do that if you do have that perfect customer success relationship with your customers. Because um, I mean, one thing that I do find as well, customers don't, it's not even customers don't want to talk to you. Let's say you get on the call. Some customers are not always forthcoming with the details that they give you. So you will ask all these questions and you'll try to ask surface level questions and try to dig deeper second and third. But if a customer is not willing to divulge, there's only so much you can understand. Mm. And there are so many executive decisions that are made without your direct impact. Like I've heard customers say, look, it's purely a business decision. You know, there's nothing wrong with your service or your product, but this is the the direction that the executives wanted to go. And after you've done everything that you could have tried, then what can you do? And sometimes they do do. come out of the blue. Does a customer sometimes come to the end of their journey with you naturally, or is it always constantly evolving the whole? I would say it is constantly evolving. Um, and I think the customer success team at Circus, yeah, do a great job naturally. Of course, of course you guys Uh, do. Of course they do. But it would also be not unfair, but I would say it would be unrealistic to say, ah, it's because of like all the hard work of customer success. Mm. Like it always comes back to you building a viable product, Mm. right? And that, you know, it should be the case that like customer success is enhancing the customer experience is making sure that we are shortening the time to value on your product, but it should be the case that customers jump on your product and you should be able to do a basic, uh, successful run of whatever it is that your application or your software does. So I feel like circle CI does a really good job at that, that it kind of like, you know, I think it's gotten to the point where, building and testing tools is just something every business needs now. Um, so, I mean, I've personally only been at Circle CI for about one and a half years. Um, but, you know, you see everyone just kind of saying that it runs and we don't really think about it. It's, it's almost like our kind of 
electricity supply or like water supply. It's just something that we need and it just kind of runs. Yeah. That kind of feeling. Yeah, so yeah. Makes sense. you want to be good enough at what your service does that it just gets embedded that mm. every year you hope you just grow with your with mm-hmm. your customers. Yeah. So you've had two customer success jobs. What have been the main differences between them as in what you do daily, the customers you've kind of worked with, the customer journeys, the customer lifespan, I guess? Yeah, I would say definitely I've been able to be a lot more proactive in this current role. And I think I've been able to be a lot more consultative in this role. Um, I think just naturally where, you know, at Circle CI compared to, you know, my previous role, I think we're a lot further along. Um, and I think we've been able to get to the stage where we can um, we can distinguish different parts of our customer base and we're able to kind of give a bit more of a personalized customer success experience. Okay. Um, depending on. So essentially, you know, if you're just a, we've got like a month to month customer base who just pay month to month. Mm. As, as the name says no yes <laughs> and then we've got customers who then sign up for us for us annually and so we've got different kind of customer journeys that they, that they go on so being able to learn and understand how we can build out a different customer journey mm. um depending on how you kind of interact with the with the platform with something new that okay. i didn't have experience with um in my in my initial job mm. and what is the customer journey are you involved from the first day of the sales process or are you involved in any part of the sales process when does it get handed over? Yeah, so it depends. Sometimes we get involved with the with the sales process if we think it would be beneficial, if they want to know what support looks like or what customer success does. But it, it's not like a hard and fast rule here that you have to get involved with the sales process. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, we're always happy to help. But yeah, as soon as that deal is kind of close to completing or when it's completed, we will do a handover with the sales team. Um, we also have um, we also have solution engineers that are basically like the tech side of any kind of sales deal as well. Um, we have a handover with everyone that was involved um, so that we can capture kind of all sides of the of the sales process. Mm. And then we really kind of take it from there. We then map out what the onboarding will look like based on that information. Like we want to roughly be able to at least have like a three, six month's plan based on the the information we've been given um so i think what's, whenever, what's included in the plan and so i think it's a it's like a rough kind of plan it's nothing like really really kind of like solid but in terms of like do you have a good sense of kind of what the customer is trying to achieve in three months six months do you know what kind of metrics they, they're tracking today so how would you know if circle cr has been successful with okay. them um, and then also understanding like potential blockers so if you've got one person who kind of wasn't very much a champion during the sales process how do we manage that person um you know so just really understanding a when we go into a kickoff what can we offer them that will really wow them as soon as they get through the door Mm -hmm. Um, and then thinking long term you know what do we need to do to make sure that we're kind of on track with certain things for example is every customer onboarded on a call yes yes everyone is onboarded with a with a kickoff call which is about like a 45 minute call. Okay. Um, but we often find that customers will have normally used us before on the month to month plan. So it's kind of more of, it's not like a, this is how you use the platform. Like they mm. all kind of pretty much well seasoned users. So it's about how can we be more strategic? How do we unlock 
more of the features that you haven't been using to actually match your business goals. Okay. And how do you go about persuading someone that they either need to be upselled or they need to go from the month to month to the actual, what is it? What do you call it? Just the annual, the annual, annual plan, <laughs> the annual plan. How do you persuade someone if they're not 100% convinced mm-hmm. or if they aren't 100% convinced, is it not worth? Because then they will churn maybe or they won't be happy. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's a, that's a really good point, right? When do you kind of draw that, mm-hmm. that line in the sand? So it all comes down to, um, I think really scalability, um, of the, the platform that they're trying to build. So it gets to a certain point where the month to month plan, they've just completely outgrown it. Um, so for example, you know, there's only, um, let's say you're testing a whole bunch and you're using 10 windows machines and I'm just going to make the numbers up, but let's say the month to month plan, you can only have 10 windows machines running at any other time, but you have 15 developers. So everyone's waiting for those machines to become free. And that's going to block your time of how quickly your developers can build and then release features to your customers. So then what we actually offer on the annual plan is we have really like a scalable limit. So if you need to go past 10, you need 20, we can up the, we can up the limit for you. Okay. You need more machines. We can keep going. So really we've positioned the plan and the platform to grow as you grow. Mm. Um, and that's really how we'd already, how we'd always kind of envision that. Does that make out. your job as a customer success manager a little bit easier? So you don't have to be convincing people the whole time that they need to upgrade or up, you know, be upsold. A hundred percent. Like it never should be a hard sell, right? It should get to the point that we have different packages to meet different needs. And naturally if your company is flourishing and everyone understands the needs of having an app, being online, being able to reach your customers that we normally find that a lot of our customers reach that inflection point where, you know, actually the month to month is not scalable anymore um, and we need those added benefits. So yeah, that's how we normally talk through that. And we help our customers understand, you know, don't just think of this as like this tiny little bubble of you and your developers. You really need to think about where your wider business is going. And more importantly, you need to think about how your competitors in your market continue to stay competitive. So if they're shipping these features out every month and you don't have the right tools for you to keep up, then you're not really thinking about the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where do you think customer success is going? Where do I think customer success is going? Hmm. Well, I think it's really interesting to think about customer success because like you said, the four years or so ago, it was kind of like really buzzing. Maybe it was more of a thing in in the States compared Mm, to here. I think it was an American thing initially, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think everyone is very much sold on the idea of customer success now. But what I think is quite interesting is I think with a lot of businesses, you'll find that as they continue to grow, like you start to grow your your product and maybe you get to the point where you have like a really well-oiled sales machine. So your acquisition of like new customers shoots right up, but maybe your retention and your churn starts to tell a different story. Um, and I've definitely started to see a shift towards maybe technical success managers. So obviously this isn't going to be applicable for all companies, but you know, SaaS companies, which are highly technical, I think they will start onboarding more kind of technical account managers, technical success managers. Um, I definitely foresee that's that's mm. where that's going um, because you need to be able to add value to your your conversations. Yeah, I, I find I find it quite. I know I was on a call recently with with like one of our vendors, and it was a bit like 
the questions we had were quite technical. And I don't really think like a salesperson that doesn't answer those questions. It's like, I think you can teach anyone to sell. It's like that movie, you know, the one where they had to go mine something from the moon. And instead of teaching <laughs> ast- they instead of like teaching miners how to go to space, that's what they do. They taught miners how to go to space rather than astronauts this? how to mine. Astronauts how to mine? What? Apollo 13. Oh. Apollo 13. <laughs> it's not Apollo 13. Uh, our studio researchers will get back to us with what, what movie <laughs> it was. But it's it's the same sort of concept though, isn't it? It's like, yeah, you should teach the miners how to go to space rather than the astronauts out of mine. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, like a salesperson should be te- should know the answer to the technical questions. Because I mean, like, what otherwise, why are they there? Like, yeah. You just have the, if because your interest is there, so you just have the call with the technical person, right? hundred pricing comes second, yeah. hundred percent. And I think it's making that distinction that we should no, not be forcing salespeople to have to be super technical because I feel like at, at one point, the business needs to understand that you're expecting too much of people mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm, yeah. um, and then you're just trying to get, you're trying to have your cake and eat it too with one person. So I think making that distinction of having that technical success manager, because mm. like you said, as a customer, you don't want to get to that point where you've had that whole question. Like, just bring in your manager. You know, yeah. just bring me someone who knows something. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is your role quite technical? Yes, yes. Is that is. just your role specifically at Circle CI, or do you think customer success in general is very technical? I think it's specifically my role in Circle CI, but then at the same time, especially if you're working in SaaS, I think even if at the core you're not a super technical role, you know, we're becoming even more connected these days, right? So I think no matter what app you have today, it's going to probably connect to Slack and it's probably going to have to connect and speak to Salesforce and there's probably some sort of API. So I think even if you don't have to have a strictly technical background, there is going to be some aspect, I think, that you're you're eventually going to have to understand or you'll naturally pick up on, on the job. Yeah. Yeah, I think you definitely, like, the basic technical knowledge you need to be successful in any role now, regardless of sales or CS or whatever, you need to know how, like, things like what an API is. You need it. It's, like, basic knowledge, I think, at this point. It's not, I, I don't know, when I was growing up, my parents were always like, oh, you need to know how to use Microsoft Suite, like, Word, PowerPoint, Excel. Now, nowadays, it's just like... That's a given. Not only is that, I think what is a given is like, do you know how APIs work? Do you know how like integrate multiple apps across like different CRMs? Like that's a given now, mm. I think. Cool. I think yeah. the movie was Armageddon. It is Armageddon. <laughs> so Flo, to finish up, can you please give us three key pieces of advice for building and managing your customer success team? Absolutely. <laughs> so... I think first and foremost, um, it is just automate, 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 automate everything and anything that you can. Because once you start to grow, you will realize how much data, how much information you have about the customers. Then it will be like, do you know 50 customers inside and out? No. So you need to make sure that you have all the tools that that your CSMs need. And I think more importantly, especially as you start to grow, you need to make sure you're booking in you know, quarterly reviews with your teams to understand what it is that they are struggling with, especially if you've hired new customer success managers. You know, sometimes you just kind of, you just kind of deal with your workload sometimes. And I think like without that time to reflect, you don't understand, oh, this thing that I've been doing for so long, which takes me a long time. Sometimes you don't realize that stuff can be automated. So I think it's up to a manager to be able to, you know, get the team together, 
have that open forum because then you start to see little trends and you can actually quantify like how much one part of the customer success role is bugging something and then go to other teams, band together and automate that so that customer success are happy and your customers are happy. Hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming in today, Flo. It was so nice to catch up with you and hear a little bit more about what you're doing at Circle CI and CS. And we'll hope to see you soon again on our podcast. Yes, please. I had a great time. Potentially maybe on a streaming show. Coming (gasps) soon. Yes. Coming soon to Mount Base. I'll see you there. Well, now we're going to go and drink some soju and play some games. But before (laughs) before we close out, this podcast was brought to you by our sponsors, Computers. Computers, please get one of these. We try and do funny adverts. <laughs> I know. You guys yeah. do it everywhere. I love them. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to do, do one? Um, this episode was brought to you by Soju. <laughs> Marsha. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay. okay. Sharks, they're in the water. Mm.